0: You are listening to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. Integrity, commitment, kindness, and flexibility are at the core of Cambridge's values and drive the spirit of Cambridge. Join our host, Cambridge CEO, Amy Weber, for each Cambridge Stronger episode as she invites financial professionals to offer insight on how they integrate values and purpose in their care for their investing clients. You'll hear stories on how they got their start, as well as why they are in the advice profession. Now here's Amy.
1: Welcome to Cambridge Stronger. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and joining us today is the founder and owner of Insight Financial Advisors, Wanda Delgado. Wanda, thank you for coming on the show today. So excited to have you. Well, thanks, Amy. I was looking forward to this. Great. We both dedicate a lot of our thought and time to inspiring others in particular, women to consider this career over the years that we've known each other. So let's start off by you telling our audience your story, share your journey with us. I started all the way back in 1980,
0: so I must have been only two years old. Um, But as I like to say, I recently turned age 55 and more recently turned age 64. So so I got started um, right out fairly new after college because I had a job with Burroughs Corporation selling computers and calculators. And I found out that I was just very, very distressed at the fact that the equipment wasn't always working well. And my job was to sell the product no matter what, whether it fit the client or not. And having to say very large numbers like you need to write a check for $80,000 was difficult. Then a family friend told us about how he was wanting to really become a financial planning practice or his business. So when I heard about financial planning, I said, look at this. I don't have to sell a product that doesn't fit them. I can go find a solution for them. And so that's the way it started. And then learning how to develop relationship. Well, when I started with this fella, it turned out that we had three financial planning clients. And I was a little bit alarmed because even at that young age of 23, I figured out he didn't have enough money to pay me. So I said, we need to get some clients. So back in those days, we did seminars and I had done some competitive speaking in high school. And so we went from three financial planning clients to 250 about two or three years later. And we were plans where we were doing basic analyses. And then there was some investment work and some insurance work. And it it went from there. Not too long after that, my son came along in 82. And that's when one thing led to another and I started being an independent. It was like a kind of a plotter. I'd put one foot in front of the other, building relationship after relationship. And I still work with a couple of people that I started with in 1982 and 84. And what a treasure that is. So along the way, I was with a couple of different broker-dealers. And I came aboard with Cambridge in 2009, and that was the year after my husband and I got married in 2008. So that's kind of a way that I got
1: into it, was looking for a way to help people solve problems. And if they do well, I've done well. Fantastic, inspiring story. So you mentioned your son. Let's pivot just slightly for a second and talk a little bit about one of the main obstacles that I believe keep women from wanting to join our business which is trying to balance being a mother and running your own business, being an entrepreneur and in particular in the financial advice world. So do you have any advice or inspiration for someone who's considering it, but a little intimidated by that idea?
0: I think it's probably harder to become a physician or an attorney. And I know lots of women they are my clients and friends that have done that really, really well. I think that this business is way easier to manage around a family because you control the calendar. I make the appointments when it fits for me. And when David was small, well, I sometimes would work from home or when he was in childcare or at school, then I would have appointments. And I was always home to cook chicken dinner because that's what the boy liked. And you know, I didn't think about, oh, this is hard. I'm a financial planner and I'm a woman. I just said, I have to get up and do things. I have a baby to feed. I need to get him to childcare, and then I need to get there afterwards to pick him up, whether or not my husband was involved. I need to fix dinner, and then I need to take care of these people in the meantime. And that's just do it, and then I could pick my own hours. And sometimes I work late at night after he was asleep. Maybe I worked on the weekends. Maybe I had a few appointments on the weekends. But when I take a look at my clients that are attorneys, they have to be in court, and they have to be in court. So they have to have a nanny. I didn't have to have a nanny. You know, I could be running the washing machine when I was doing work on an analysis.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think those are points that I think people just don't understand when they're considering what they want to do in their career. So it's great for you to share that with us. So you mentioned clients. Please share with us. What does your ideal client look like and why? I love them all, Amy. When I've had people say, well, what is your ideal client? I
0: don't really have an ideal client as far as a money threshold, as I told a recent couple that joined us, but I have a likability minimum. So we both laughed and now we're working together. Ideal client, there's such an enormous crossroads working with strong willed executives, working with retirees, working with a young doctor and her husband who's also a doctor, working with young attorneys. I've opened my doors to younger people that might not have a great deal of assets because they need help. They need relationship. They may be millennials, but they need a financial planner and advisor who's going to coach them along. So I'm looking for those people that need my skills. And then, then, then the attachment comes and then, you know, they have maybe some difficult circumstances. And I know that I'm going to be there for them because I often get that first call if something's going sideways in life. I've been fortunate to help some people grow into multi-multi-millionaires. I have to tell you about this one. I can't tell the names because I want everything to remain confidential. But I started with this couple back in about 1990. And he says, I'm starting my new business, but I don't have enough to invest in you. I said, that's okay. I can wait. I waited five years. And then he came back. We kept in contact. And so we started an account opening. And then we implemented a fine benefit plan. And a 401k plan. And oh my, their net worth is so handsome. And because of the reporting tools that we have, I can say, this is what you've made. And I'm so glad I got to help. And he says, we couldn't have done it without you. Does it get any better than that? But there are lots of stories like that because I've, you
1: know, collected a few relationships along the way. I know enough about you and your business to make the statement for our audience, which is that many of your clients. Become almost like family. I know uh, how much you care. And I think that's the beauty of especially the independent space. I mean, the advice business overall is a very noble profession, regardless of what direction you take. But what I do see in our segment of the business much more frequently are advisors who do become friends and almost family. And in some cases, you know, the, the primary person, the first person they're going to call when something happens a young lady inherited her
0: mother's IRA. For whatever reason, father and mother decided she would inherit mother's IRA. And I knew mother. And then along the way, this this young woman has a child and she has a second child, but the child is not expected to live beyond age three or five. They're out here on the West Coast. And she calls me up one day and she says, there's a doctor in Chicago that we need to go see that might be able to help her. Do you think it's okay for me to take money out of my mother's IRA? Do you think that that would have been okay with her? And I said, I know your mother. I knew her. You take that money and you take care of your baby. Amy, who else was talking to her about this? Apparently, maybe her father said okay. Maybe her friends said okay. But she asked me if it was okay. And I said, without a doubt, you take care of your baby. You do that. And, and and because of the fact of frankly, my generation and my years and my experiences being a mother, yes, at times I'm more like that. But as time has gone on and now we have such a difficult circumstance, I'm a little bit more relaxed about telling people how I feel. so I have a few people that say, "Love you, Wanda," and now I say, "I love you too," and we hang up and then i I don't want to to think back one day when they're no longer with me because many of them are getting older and you just never know what's going to happen and i mean it it's it's a it's an honor and a, such a touching thing that i never contemplated how could i have known in my 20s that this would come to me and that's why i keep doing this that's why i keep doing this now a lady recently joined us and she has some health issues and i learned that her advisor had never met her and she'd been with this advisor for almost 10 years now I look around and I kind of go, but the advisor's office is eight miles away from where she lived. This woman could not drive. And I said, well, if somebody really cannot drive, I can drive. And that's where I say, what really is part of my compass or my directional is that I think about how would you treat a friend? If you can't come to me, Amy, and and it's workable for me, I'll drop by because
1: that's what you would tell a friend. It's really fun. (laughs) It's really fun to do it that way. Absolutely. Wanda, how about your staff? I know that your core values and your approach also resonate and extend through the people that work with you every day. Do you have any special stories about your relationships with how you've inspired the staff that surround you? Well, there are three. John
0: Kalmas, who's been with me for 20 years. It's, It's been, you know, you grow into a family and anybody that's worked with anybody for 20 years, you know that there are sometimes when we have spirited conversations, we don't have arguments, we have spirited conversations and I respect him. And we've gotten to the point where if there's a, if there's a, a rough patch, we discuss it. And then I give him credit. I do like to give credit where credit is due because it's not all me. And I think that it makes me look like a smarter person to say, I work with really smart people. He has a master's in computer science, and he's fully licensed in securities. His younger sister joined me 12 years ago, and she helps with all the marketing that we do and problem solving, and then also managing our 401k practice and some insurance. So she's been a great help. There are are time constraints that both of them need because of life issues and family issues. So I say, you take care of your family. You always take care of your family and yourself. And then i know you're going to take care of my clients and perhaps me and chanel is our newest person but you know not so new anymore it's like five or six years and she helps with scheduling and clerical and admin and she has an insurance background and she as well she lives a long way away and she said she wanted to come in at different hours i said well what hours can you make so we worked out a plan she comes at 7:30. she leaves at 3:30. And I just say, get your work done. And then if I call you on your cell phone, anybody, I need you to pick up. I'm not going to waste your time. I'm not going to nag at you. But they know that they're cared for and they know that they're valued. Because one day somebody said, what I do is not important. Oh, wait, hold the phone. What you do is terribly important. The clients know who they all are and they have a relationship. I encourage them to build their own relationship with clients because it's not just me. And fortunately, after all these years, they haven't gone away. So I guess that's also evidence that it's working out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is actually a great success story, having the newest one be there five or six years.
0: You know, there's something else that there's something else I would share with people that are newer in the business, because my office is small. It's not as though there's a corporate ladder to climb. But what I have done over the years, when somebody says, gee, I'd like to make some more money. I'd say, good. What do you think that you can do to earn more money? Go think about it. Here are some of my ideas of what you could do. You could take on more responsibility here and here and here. Go think about it. Come back and write it up in a little memo and we'll discuss it. And so they do. And I go, okay, there you go.
1: Increase in pay. That's a great story. And one of the biggest mistakes I think we make in financial services is not being very diligent about showing people the path and the future to how they can grow and expand. So that is a wonderful story. So Wanda, let's pivot a little bit. Let's talk about who is your biggest inspiration and why? How could you not have a few? Mary Hill is a client of mine who left us when
0: she was 93 a few years ago. She she was absolutely an elegant woman, darling, a devout Christian. And someone that I said, now, when you get to be older, this is a vision on how to do it. Be kind. (laughs) Because Mary was the kind of woman where even if she's in her 90s, she's invited to all the parties. Everybody wants her to be there because she's delightful and she's loving. She would say, and I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror and say, who do you think you are, Mary Hill? And I say, you know, that's interesting. Who do you think you are, Wanda? Get it together. Earlier in my life, there was a woman named Alice Surrett. She was what we called one of the guardians in an organization called Job's Daughters. I was part of the Job's Daughters group as a young woman. And she saw in me, I think, things that perhaps weren't present in my own family. She believed in me. She believed that I could be a leader. And she taught me many ways of being a lady. Because back in the 70s and the 60s, girls were expected to be ladies. Now I find that there's a lot of different ways of being a woman in this world, but being taught how to be a lady and having respect for oneself has been a great asset. I'll never ever forget Alice. And my husband got to meet her before she died. Then there was Vance Simons. And when I'm thinking about Vance, he was an older gentleman that was an insurance agent. I was aligned with the Transamerica folks back in the late eighties, and Vance was there and kind of took me under his wing, and he had a PhD in English, and he could write so beautifully, and he cared so deeply about his clients, and then as he knew he was going to go into retirement, he asked me to care for a few of them, in which I did, but an elegant man who really cared about his clients, who did the work, he was definitely someone, I'd say, yep, a true professional. So there's others, but Mary and Alice and Vance come
1: to mind. Those are fantastic. What I take away from those stories that I think gets missed sometimes, so one of the most popular questions out there often is, other than inspiration, but who, are, who were your mentors and who helped you the most in your career? And what you just pointed out, in my opinion, is that it's all around you. It's everywhere. The key is being observant and open to learning from everyone that touches your life. People do want to help. I want to help people. I think that
0: that is one of the things that just gives you so much enrichment in your own life because if clients do well, we're going to do well. I never thought in my wildest dreams I would have the prosperity that I enjoy. Never. My father was a mail carrier, a postman, and there were not a lot of great expectations. And I say, but look what's happened to me. How blessed am I to have found this? Couldn't be better. By the way, For many many years decades now it has been projected or predicted that i would go out of business by who well because i'm independent there's me i'm the one that brings in the clientele and develops the relationships and then have my staff help with that and i thought well if i'm supposed to join another group doesn't somebody like cambridge count i think it does i can leverage my my reach to strategies solutions through Cambridge so that when somebody says I just this is just way too overwhelming and say hold on there are a lot of things more overwhelming than what we're doing we're problem solvers in a highly regulated financial industry and if the doctors can do it if the attorneys can do it if the plumbers can do it we can do it because we're needed I'm telling you I run into people I'm going oh boy do you need it yep definitely we're needed out there and we need
1: younger people joining us yes I couldn't agree more I know you have a passion for some other things in your life, other than what we've already talked about, which is your business and your family. Tell the audience about your work with Help for Brain Injured Children.
0: The Help for Brain Injured Children is a nonprofit in La Habra, California. It is also part of the Cleta Harder Development School. And Cleta Harder has been a friend of mine for many, many years. I met her through the Surrupt organization. Now, help for brain injured children really called to me because the children that they serve are children who have had not just brain injuries, but illnesses so that they are not able to function in normal circumstances. Some of these children, if they cannot be somehow cared for and, and improved a little bit in their lives, the next stop for them is an institution. They're beautiful children, but it's not a fancy musical or a museum. These families have such a challenge. How do you take care of a child like this? If they can then help to feed themselves, begin to speak, maybe they can then dress themselves. Some of them are more highly functioning. And then maybe they can go into the community and maybe even get employment. What a gift this is to them and their families to reach their potential. And that that aligns with what we do in our work here as financial advisors. My family was friends with a couple that had two daughters. The younger daughter was Kathy. Kathy had suffered an enormous fever when she was a little one, about two years old. And I remember always being told that the fever was 105 degrees and it extended for days. And it hurt her brain development. So she was at the level of about a four-year-old, and she never progressed beyond that. And so I played with Kathy, and and I could tell that she was awkward, but I knew that she was special. And so when I learned about help for brain-injured children, I said, I wonder if maybe that would have helped Kathy. But I already learned that I had an affection for her. I had a respect for her. This was a place to, to devote some energy and time. So I serve as their treasurer. No, I don't sign any checks because of conflict of interest, but I watch the budget carefully and I participate. I'm really supportive of that. And I I see the families and what the change can be because there's no other place like that for these children. They, they get children from other school
1: districts. Yes, it's a passion. That's very special. You know what? Uh, every story you've shared with us today has resonated for me in the Cambridge Stronger mantra. You clearly are a special person who devotes both your personal, professional, and outside passions to making a difference, which as you know, is the Cambridge purpose, but there's that synergy and shared core values. And we're so lucky to have you as a part of our Cambridge family. If you could give a piece of advice to someone at the beginning of their career in this profession, what would it be? Oh boy. Okay. First, I'd
0: say you need to learn to develop some strategies to help some people. It's very overwhelming when you get a license or you start to pursue the CFP program. I did because at my young age of 23, I thought, who's going to believe me? I better get some credentials here. And I learned a lot with the CFP program. But I also know that you may say at an earlier age or you're more inexperienced, you may feel very uncomfortable saying, I know exactly how to manage your $10 million. Well, there's just so many people looking for those anyway, but a lot of people are desperate for help. Maybe they don't know it, but they need to understand how to manage their cash flow. You can go to any group of people and there's going to be a whole bunch of them that have never made a list of their credit card debts. And it's painful for them. They need help because they need to be able to see what's happening to them or what they have done. You can help with that no matter what your age or experience. Then there's statistics that you can look up online or you can call different companies and say, what are the spending patterns? And that's what I did. I started with cash flow analysis to say, you don't have enough money, let's figure it out. I even had to teach one couple how to make chicken at home because they were spending so much money in restaurants. I understand that my name was associated with a bad word for a while because I didn't like cooking. But... (laughs) If you spend $60 a night in a restaurant times 30, do the math, it's killer. (laughs) So there's that. People are really curious about Roth IRAs. Learn about the backdoor Roth so that you can repeat it and get ready for a change. Learn about Roth 401k plans. Be very conversant with that and how they work. And then when you're working with products, financial solutions, do the work. Be persistent in finding out how they work and how the client pays for them, it was a, an epiphany for me if I tell clients how they pay for things, they don't resent it, they just want to know, and they want to know that it's fair, and then I can understand, it. and then I'm not so nervous about it, they're not nervous about it. We all got it. So there's a few things there: read and then study relationship, or at least start to connect in making relationships. I read years ago, Amy. It takes seven contacts to start a relationship. So you talk to a client on the phone, you make an appointment, and you meet with them. In the next two meetings, you're usually asking them to sign something. You don't even have a relationship yet. So there's a way of saying a next touch could be let's review your statement together, let's review something else together, let's have our next meeting planned to build that relationship. Because there's, with the way that we connect in the world today, and then the problems we have today, Being able to have that chemistry of the one-on-one, the visual that we have even with Zoom or another tool, the voice, all of that is a way of connecting and creating relationship.
1: So relationship, learn something of value, keep reading. That's what I would do. Great advice. I think the key that I often hear, again, and maybe another obstacle of people choosing to get into our business is it's math. It's investment management only, and what I just heard you share very passionately is connections, relationships, problem-solving, life coach, friend, helping people, and those are the messages I agree with you entirely that we've got to figure out as an industry to continue to get those messages through to people that it isn't just about investment management and numbers and math, right? I've realized that I've centered in on,
0: and maybe this would be also interesting or helpful, and that is when we have difficulties in our economies, and we always will, one way or the other, the markets ebb and flow, building a strong foundation. How do we do that? You need to have cash reserves. You need to manage your debt. That's very simple stuff. It is not number. I mean, it's called addition, subtraction, division, maybe some percentages. This is not you know Boolean algebra. It's not like that. However, making sure that you're connected to the reality of things and saying, what's the problem here? Have a way that you approach a problem. We don't really have time to do all that kind of thing today, I'm sure. But I I found that focusing on keeping the foundation. And as some people say, well, yes, you know, we've talked about this. These are the basics, but my clients listen, because I will then say, you're going to be okay. You have a good foundation. Let's look at all the progress that you've made. I'm really happy for you. And thank you for letting me help. That goes a long way because I am to serve them. That's what I'm supposed to be doing here. And to making sure that they have recognition because they, they, they shouldn't be talking to their friends about their finances too much. Maybe they don't even talk to their families, but they can talk to me. And I can say, you're going to be fine. And here's why I know you're going to be okay. And here's your obstacles that you have. And here's how we're going to work our way through them. We may have to muddle through whatever circumstances we have out there. That's what we have to deal with. And whining and complaining about it doesn't make it work any better. But, but being able to get a perspective and then being optimistic. I warn people when they start to come work with me. I say, I want you to understand that I'm optimistic, realistic, realistic. I want my vision open to look for alternatives and to be able to problem solve. If I am pessimistic, my view narrows, and I'm not looking out how to get through the the problem. By the way, it's more fun to be optimistic. If there's a bad outcome, you suffer less, and you take advantage of opportunities to fix it. If things turn out really well, you're happier. So I choose optimism, and sometimes it's a difficult choice. It can be a little unsettling, and then you say, I choose to be optimistic because that is a much more productive way and the commerce of mankind is magnificent. It probably will continue.
1: Even if somebody says it won't, you are fantastic. Okay. One more question before I ask you for any closing thoughts that I'm dying to know, I already know actually, but I want to our audience to know, what do you do Wanda when you're not working or sleeping? What do you do for fun? I love my plants. And I
0: realized that when I was working on the Stephanotis vine that had been mauled because of a recent paint job, that it was so meditative to pamper that plant and to get the vines. I, I call it a girl, she's my girl. My husband said, can I cut this? No, you don't touch her. I'm gonna take care of her. Now I make time for my family, my granddaughter, my son. But when I say what I do when I have some time on my hands, I'm gonna go play with my plants. I'm going to read. I love to read. Thank goodness. I'm always looking at any time I'm idle. If I have lunch at my desk, I'm going to be reading. And then sometimes I just want to think. Just want to think and meditate. I heard that Bill Gates goes away for a few days at a time, maybe a week, and he thinks and he reads. And I say, I understand that. Because at times after the day is done, maybe five o'clock, people have gone and I don't have an appointment. I'll stay here a little longer because I just need to be alone with my thoughts. And then something will come to me that says, maybe you better give Amy Weber a call. Maybe she needs to take care of that power of attorney thing. <laughs> so thinking, plant, reading.
1: Self-care, right? Take care of yourself first. And that will allow you to do all of the special things that you do for your staff, for your family, and for your clients. Great message. So, Wanda, anything else that you'd like to share with our audience about yourself or our business that we haven't touched on today? I do.
0: I do have an affirmation or a prayer, if you'd like, a meditation. That is, I pray for prosperity for my clients and just beautifully, if they do well and they have, thank goodness, I do well. My family does well because to be prosperous is a noble thing because we can help our families and our friends and we can be charitable which is one thing that one of my clients says, I always wanted to be wealthy enough to be charitable. And I thought that is a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. And then I say, you got to keep your sense of humor. And as I get maybe a little bit more mature, maybe I get a little bit more goofy, but I do see that other advisors out there that might be lazy or negligent, maybe dishonest, or they don't care as much. That's an opportunity for us to serve people. And there will always be people who will want to take the shortcut. And then that gives us an opportunity. And by the way, life is not any easier for them. Life is not easy, I don't think, for anybody, Amy. But we can make it really interesting.
1: Absolutely. Oh, thank you for sharing all of this great advice with us. Wanda, thank you for letting us help you. Thank you for letting Cambridge serve you we feel like we come in every day and try to do that little extra to serve you so that you can serve others it's the chain of helping others and it's very special to us that you allow us to be a part of your life and your client's life well thank you one thing that i have
0: seen that has served me well and it should it should be obvious but it's not always obvious to everybody and that is keep your word if you tell a client you're going to do something keep your word if you tell a friend you're going to do something keep your word and amy You, Cambridge, everyone there, have always kept your word. We're going to do this. You do it. Now you can't always make every promise come true, but you can be accountable. And that, in my life, has given me enormous personal power. If I say I'm going to do something, my clients, my friends, my family know I'm going to do that. And and we need to be strong to be able to help people, and,
1: and we have. It's something I truly, truly appreciate. Perfect examples of Cambridge Stronger. That's why we make a good team. So thank you for being a part of our Cambridge Stronger, Wanda. Thank you, appreciate it. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Cambridge Stronger. Amy Weber and her guests enjoy sharing these insightful stories on why they became independent financial professionals as well as client success stories. New episodes are available monthly in your favorite podcast venues.